0: Hey, what's going on guys? It's Dan from Spilling the Tea of Pico Podcast. Today I was joined by Cheryl Palmer. Cheryl is a realtor with Home Group Realty. She's been in the business for a while and she speaks about uh, what makes her a little different from some of the other agents out there and um, gives some predictions on the fall market. Cheryl's really interesting too. She's, uh, she's very much a people person. She likes to get people together. She is definitely, if you were to say anyone is a matchmaker, um, she's a matchmaker. So I was uh, very fortunate to be joined by her. Um, Also, she's part of a disciplinary committee. So we didn't really get into that in this podcast. But I'm thinking I should have her back because we can talk a little bit about um, maybe without uh, getting into too many details, some of the stuff that she does, and um, how that helps to protect you guys when it comes to real estate. So hope you enjoy this podcast, grab a tea, and we'll catch you on the next one. See you guys. Hey guys, welcome to Spilling the Tea, a podcast brought to you by Pico Mortgages. I'm your host, Dan Johannes, and in this series, we'll be interviewing some really interesting entrepreneurs, real estate professionals, and really anyone that's got a story that I think is worth sharing with you, the viewers. So sit back, relax. I hope you enjoy it. And please comment, subscribe, and share with your friends. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Spilling the T. A. Pico podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johannes, and today I'm joined by Cheryl Palmer. Uh, She's from Home Group Realty, and uh, she's an awesome realtor. She's based in Fergus. That's where she lives, but uh, she services that area. And I'm glad, Cheryl, I was able to get you here. Uh, you know we've had some technical difficulties getting this far but we had a great conversation and I'd like to dig into that a little bit deeper not only on you and how you got into real estate because you did mention you've been here for uh, in in the industry for almost 10 years now um, but how you focus on your clients and we'll chat a little bit about um, today's market and where you think it's going so thank you for joining us show. Thank you
1: Dan it's uh, good to be here uh, in spite of the
0: technical difficulties yeah. yeah i know i was just saying uh, you know maybe if we can get your son who uh you said is is it um a, a lot better at it than i am maybe we get him on call and he can uh, he can do the technical thing um for us. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad we got it sorted out here. But let's jump in a little bit into um, your story, because I, I find it a little fascinating. My first conversation with you on the phone, you had mentioned, I think you were doing sort of like, a. you just wrapped up a party. Was it a, a you were doing a big party, and you got a bunch of people together. And that's one of the things that kind of intrigued me is because um the one thing I've noticed about uh, the whole real estate transaction is it's all about um being comfortable with the people you're working with whether it's uh you know an appraiser you know a home inspector you know the the lawyer or the real estate agent everyone wants to kind of say hey i'm working with a friend right it's all about building and forging those relationships and you struck me as someone on the phone that is out there uh just you know being the life of the party and letting everyone uh, know that you're more than just a, a realtor so can you talk a little bit about that like what makes you different
1: well, um, so yes, I'm about not um, coming up as finishing nine years, and um, it's important to know where your business comes from. And for me, uh, being social, being myself, being uh, practicing how I would like to, to be treated as a client. So yeah, the, the party I had was uh, at a family farm out towards Bellwood. And it's my friends, it's my family, it's my sort of sphere of yeah. uh, people I can count on to use my name in real estate. People who uh, share my cell phone, my text, my, you know, whatever, just are, are in. In, and you know, everybody's passionate about real estate. Everybody wants uh, all that information. And that is a natural conversation. Like when I go to parties and real estate starts, you, you know, it's only my husband who will be like, oh, another real estate. Right. 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 But um, so, yeah, I, I tend to draw to people who are um, also authentic, very trusting I think that when you make an introduction to somebody like what we had on the phone, you know, instantly, if you're comfortable talking to somebody and, and this whole real estate is not just a transaction for me, but it's a relationship. Like there's not a client that, or a client experience that I ever want to, um, end. I I need to know that you're satisfied, happy, trusting all the way through and beyond that. I need you to, my goal is more to like having you um, refer me to your son, to your uncle. So the value in my business um, after being in it for as long as I have, um, and every transaction is new, but it's that there's no amount of marketing dollars. There's refer that that should be spent on anything particular because my business comes from word of mouth referral. So, you know, I have my website, I have my lead generation stuff going on, but my paychecks come from the relationships that I build.
0: Yeah, and, yeah.
1: Um, Having that connection with somebody straight off having mortgage professionals, aligned to service your clients the way you see, uh, them that fitting your, your scenario. So why go and look at a house entire kick and waste my time, your time, and the seller's time. Um, if you're not qualified, if you don't have all your, uh, I's dotted and T's crossed, right? So I follow my gut and, um, I'm very serious about what this is for people because I really honestly believe like for myself and, and most that your real estate is probably your largest, most valuable investment.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So,
1: so doing the right thing, buying the house that suits you, your budget, your needs, knowing all the, the, the areas of concern, the future cost of uh, renovation and figuring out, like we say, we want a double garage and we want three bedrooms and we want three bathrooms. What we want needs can afford all those things need to align. So um, I try, I guess I, when I started in real estate, I wanted to be that person who wasn't a hounding salesperson, but someone to provide information, guidance and as much as I have experience in all kinds, uh, not a lot in commercial, I, I have a referral network for things that I'm not comfortable with, you know, the cottages up north or the, the large commercial, there are there, purchases or rentals. Those are, there are people who only specialize in that. So I am right. not afraid to refer.
0: Um. Yeah, when you hear people that are, are saying, hey, yeah, I specialize in everything. Like you got a whole laundry list of, yeah, I do commercial, I do mixed use, I do cottage. I'll do rentals downtown. I mean, that's where it's kind of like, well... You know, um, maybe jack of all trades, but I don't know if you specialize uh, particularly in uh, maybe even a, a certain geographic region too, right? You know, I've I've worked with realtors that are out of town and um, they just, they have no idea of the certain market they're dealing with. And that can be uh, incredibly important when you're going in um, trying to, pro- one, price a property, or put an offer on a property that uh, that you're really not sure where it should fit. Um, and you hit the nail on the head there about relationships. And uh, it, you're almost like a matchmaker, right? Because you're, you're out there trying to find the right property for a buyer. And often times I'll have um, buyers that we've pre approved. And we'll just check in and say, Hey, you know, how's it going? How's the search going? And sometimes we'll get some of that feedback where it's like, well, you know this uh realtor that i'm working with they really aren't like they're showing me things that one maybe are outside of the budget outside of the geographic area or just not what they want right like it's not what they're looking for so it's so important i think to work with someone that understands you more than just the transaction because if we're just talking numbers i mean it's fairly fairly straightforward to to figure out what the budget is and then go out there and, and draft these agreements, but. Understanding more on what the client wants, what your buyers are interested in, what they what excites them, what they what are their needs, and 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 so forth. I think it's just so important to work with someone that um, that really gets you as a person. So uh, it's great to hear that you've got that sort of personable touch when it comes to uh, uh, finding real estate. Do you find it more difficult now uh, working with buyers now that the market's uh, shifted a little bit than it was maybe um, six months or a year ago, or is it actually easier?
1: Well, now we earn our paychecks. Before we were in such a competitive uh, situation with multiple offers on everything, it was Uh, with lack of inventory, with rates so low, uh, we're moving into a more balanced market. We earn our paychecks now by working harder through those details and it's healthier. uh, Although it's gonna cost more for people to own homes um, to get into the market, it's worth the effort. Like it depends on your plan. It depends on your, your situation. And um, you, you know, like qualifying and spending as much as you can possibly get has been a thing for people. But those those situations where people are qualified with the stress test there, and then they overspend and that appraisal comes in light, we need more time to work on the details better. And that's what this market's doing. It's less of a panic, it's less of a rush. And, you know, I wish I had a crystal ball to say what was coming up, but the fact is each situation's different and each person's needs are different. So it's it, every relationship is different and figuring it out as we go altering those qualifications, borrowing money from grandma, you know, getting that gift, all those things have to work into a scenario. So if I have somebody who calls me off a listing and wants to see uh, through, I have lost some people because they really just want to see the house. Well, I don't know who you are. I don't like, there's some things, some some eyes to dot and T's to cross there. And I have had people say, I just want to see the house. Well, I'm just not going to show you the house because it's important for my time, for your time. Like it's it's tire kicking and uh, it's important to have the right consultation, the right information, follow a not even a sort of a checklist, but a path to make sure you're successful because this is a big deal, a big venture. And, and I want you to like and trust me so that you know I'm listening. And I'm going to explain to you, maybe you can't have the double garage in your budget, but you can go to this area. And so as far as my area of practice goes, I can go anywhere in Ontario. I will, I I prefer to stay within, you know, an hour's drive, but it also has to be somewhere that I feel comfortable having the knowledge about the property. You know, I have family in Listowel. I have family in Hanover. I will do that Owen Sound um, Georgian Bluffs country property for people that I know and trust and have the technical abilities beca- uh, to, to sign things. And I remember um, my nephew was buying um, and, and I said, so when you go on your computer and they said, we don't have a computer. So, oh, wow. it's like, but you can sign on your phone. And for me, I understand the importance because when I send a document and say, we're under a timeline, here's the document, and it comes back into my, my inbox immediately, there are some clients that don't read the details. So right. they right. sign, it's electronic signature, they push accept and they go. So I take my position so seriously because you trust in me and uh, th- that's who I, I work with. And so, yeah, I stick around home ideally I was born and raised in Guelph and uh, so that's where my office is but uh, my office is here at the kitchen table in uh, Fergus and uh, yeah
0: that's kind of nice it's nice that uh, you know you kind of stay local I and you know I went to school in Guelph too it's a it's a great town Uh, I just heard yesterday I don't know if you heard the news that the uh, Guelph Nighthawks which we sponsor um, they are moving um, they're the basketball team um, the Canadian elite basketball league decided to pick them up and move them out so disappointing because uh, it was fun to to check out those um, those basketball games and, and golf is a very lively community um, and you're so right too like Having family and for in, in sort of thing, it's kind of nice because you have ties. And you know, hey, right, that's a great street or that's a, that's supposed to be a fantastic school or it's just around the block from that great restaurant. So really understanding uh, the local communities is so important. And I think, uh, y- you know, you, you mentioned something that was um, kind of, I think, pretty relevant here is even though interest rates have gone up, right, and we're seeing more inventory hit the market, the days on market are going higher. People are starting to realize this is not the same market we had six months or a year ago, but that's a really good thing because people back then it was like the shotgun approach, right? You just go out there and you just blast away, and whatever you can get, you get. You'll you'll out any conditions, you wave everything, and then it's like when the dust settles, did we actually did we? You know, get a good price on this. Is this what we wanted? And so I'm not too surprised, but I am seeing some folks circle back uh, from, you know, a year or so ago being like, hey, we're considering moving. And that's sort of like one of those when you have the initial conversation of, okay, what are you looking for? What's your budget? Let's, you know, run through those numbers. And then it turns into a, uh, well, You know, we didn't really like it, but it was what was available at the time. Um, Yeah, it's at least in this market, even though things have slowed down, it's giving a lot of people that opportunity to just breathe, step back, uh, you know, read the documents, read everything that they get and take the time. And especially, I guess, for you, if you're representing a buyer, you don't have to just run out constantly, you know, jump in the car and get to as many as you can, because half of those are going to be sold by the time you get home. You know, you can say, okay, let's, let's plan this weekend to do whatever, or, or let's go visit these houses and, and then sit down and really talk about the, the, uh, the differences and what they liked and and didn't like. So here's a question for you. If you're, uh, if you've got a, a seller that's entering this market, what would you recommend for someone that's, that's going in? Because I can speak a little bit on the numbers side. We know that interest rates have grown, gone up. We know the stress test has gone up. So if someone's looking to sell and then get into a, another property, they've got to keep that in mind. What can you afford now in today's market? We know that inflation is through the roof, even though the numbers came in on Tuesday, a little bit lower than what we anticipated at 7.6%. We are well off our uh, benchmark or our target overnight rate, or target rate rather of 2.2% or 2% by the, the government. So we're likely going to see more interest rate increases on this, but uh, some people have to sell, right? They, they, they're like, well, we've got like, I've, for example, I've got a neighbor down the street and um, they had downsized, So they had a pre-construction years ago. They are planning on moving into it. They, they need to sell their house. It's just poor timing because you know, they don't, they need to, to get out of this one. So what do you recommend for a seller that's got a, a kind of list in this market?
1: Well, right now, being more balanced, I think the most important thing would be be prepared. Make sure that house is in great shape. Make sure you are priced accurately for what's happening in the market. You almost have to, there's a phrase, I can't think of what it is right now, but you're pricing forward. We can see what's happening and changing in the market. So we, we can't, we have to make sure we put the right uh, data together
0: because right, it's so easy to take that data and say hey, you know, especially if someone doesn't really know but they've been watching the headlines for the last year and they look at it and they say, well, my neighbor's house just sold 8 months ago for this. But it, like you said, it's so important to kind of look at sort of future data and set those expectations. Yeah.
1: Well, price it's a, uh, it's like pricing forward. We we know today it's uh, it, it, uh you know, months ago it was worth 650. Today it um is six, but in a couple of months, is it going to be five seventy five? Like we need to look at that when we price, because you know, and I know, the buyer knows. We all know what's the value of the property should be, and no matter what data we put together, ultimately, that qualified buyer and your skill set in appraising what the bank will give for that property, that all has to come together to determine the value. But honestly, I might think it's worth 650. The bank thinks it's also worth 650, but that buyer thinks it's less. So Mm. it's a combination of putting all of that together, no matter what I think after crunching my numbers, after preparing that house, fixing everything, staging it, taking professional photos, giving the best I can to make that listing pull as much value out as possible. And part of the reason I do all that pre-work, that's probably the most important part to my listing is determining that value, determining who the buyer is, the marketing plan, putting all those things together because when the that hits the MLS, then I don't want to say it slows down, but that's when I can sit back a little bit and manage things. But the preparation is key. And the value of the market today in this in in the current situation is to price forward. So right. things will sell, but statistically speaking, anything that overlists, you probably think it's high. I know it's high. So I, wanna, I don't actually personally take listings like that because I have sold every listing I've ever had, um, except for my very first one. I was competing against two local brokers These people came into an open house and met me. They called me that night. It was a Saturday afternoon. They called me that night and said, we'd like to let you know that we would like to work with you. We're selling our home. And I was panicked. I went there the (laughs) next day and and in my gut, I knew this was some time ago, but I knew this beautiful home was should I shouldn't price it more than 469. But once I got to the house uh, uh, I, it was, it overwhelmed me so I really had to rethink my dollars but back in the day, listing and selling in the 460 range, but I listed it at like 490 was was just too much percentage wise and that was the only listing that uh, I didn't sell but everything else I've sold and it's everybody knows pricing like you can figure it out just by doing a general search the details are are in what i go through with a seller this had this this house had this feature these are the market conditioning conditions it's a team effort we right. all need to be on the same page so
0: yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, that, that one loss, I would say, you know, chalked it up to its experience. I mean, everyone has, has that in their um, in their career and it's good that you kind of, you know, said, okay, well, this was a, a pricing error and you learn from it. And you kind of move on. Um, <clears throat> and in this, this market too, for sellers, I think it's very similar to uh, what appraisers are doing, right? So when you get, when we get an appraisal for anyone that doesn't know the appraiser will go out there, they'll assess the value of the property, Typically, it's very conservative because it's from a bank's perspective. So it's a bank valuation on it. It's not the market value. So there's always going to be, uh, you know, um, a little bit of um, a disparity there, or, or whatnot. But the the main goal is to whatever the purchase price was. Um, they want to kind of hit that number if they can justify it. And the justification comes through adjustments. So adjustments are done with comparables and comparables. Typically they'll do, you know, maybe a half a dozen or so comparables. We've seen a lot more comparables lately, just because I guess they're looking for more data points, right. To try and accurately um, assess things. But it's nice to hear that you sit down with a client or a seller and say, Hey, look, we got to look at those comparables. We have to do those adjustments because maybe there was an extra bathroom or something else a garage and that changes sort of the value of the property and where we we put position yours um and you did mention things like uh staging so do you think staging is something that's pretty important in this type of environment
1: always it's always important and um you know i'm not an expert on uh feng shui and how things position within a in a space i'm not a designer so I rely on those professionals to uh, come in and put that colored pillow or to right. to get rid of that. I I usually what I do is I go in and I and I I don't want to be the meanie. I, I mm-hmm. do know if a place is too cluttered or if it's
0: um oh, you see not enough houses to yeah to to get an understanding of what's cluttered and what's maybe not designed very well or layout wise or could be um, Uh, you know, adjusted and so forth. But yeah, with more listings coming on the market, people are trying to figure out, okay, well, what's the best way to best position my, my property uh, to get top dollar. And it's uh, definitely making people do a little bit, a little bit more. Uh, I think gone are the days that you could just simply not even put a for sale sign out, just get that sold sign ready and warmed up and stick it on the market or on the front lawn. And it became more of just a advertising piece for a lot of realtors, right? They would keep the sold sign out there for a very long time. Um, and, and really it was, it was sold before it even hit the market. So well, we call
1: that, it, sorry, we no, call that yeah. uh, buying a listing too. Like if I go into your house and it's worth a million, but I tell you a million one, that's just in a different market time. Mm,
0: yeah, that
1: would happen. So my sign would stick on there. And I'd get all kinds of leads. I know your property's not going to sell yeah. uh, at that price, but it will eventually. But the fact is, in accurate pricing, like I don't do that, because I'm, I'm, I'm we want you to move. We want you to buy whatever it is. This is how we get it done. And and I would never do that. That's you should know when I price your house. We should be on the same page. Yeah. I, I I prove to you with these finishes, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that this is the window of range for you to sell your property. And uh, it's to nobody's benefit for me to allow you to overprice if right. if you're keen it's on. It's self-serving
0: me, to do that. Yeah. If you're keen
1: on me and you understand my style of service and and want to use me as your realtor, then we just need to have that agreement in place. I believe you're going to sell in this range. And if I do my job properly, I'm going to prove to you what that looks like. And, And you'll know that no box is unticked. I've done everything I possibly can. It is the market telling us that your property just doesn't have that value. It's the change in in like I said about the f- sort of pricing forward, we have to sort of anticipate what's going on in the market forward. And that doesn't mean underpricing. The other thing is if we that's what we were getting before, we were underpricing properties by $100,000. Like it it really wasn't that's sensible. Yeah. But I even had the experience of of saying enough already i'm not playing this game it's too much traffic it's too busy i'm going to price at market value Mm -hmm. so i price at market value which is what i believe it should sell for and i got no showings in a market that was uh you know if you listed on a thursday you would have showings that night saturday sunday monday you would be packed some people probably couldn't get into showings so I priced this property at 699 thinking what it's going to sell for two days, the second day, and I canceled the listing, which is not really a game, but it's an approach, and I, I listed it at 100,000 less, and mm-hmm. then I get even more Then mm-hmm. so it's a mindset and. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: It's so interesting when you start uncovering the, the psychology behind not only uh, the pricing, but then the behavior of buyers and how they perceive things. It's like, it's a discount, but we'll pay more. Um, and especially when you got a lineup behind you and it's like, do you want the house or not? Um, yeah. well,
1: that's the beauty of this market. Now we're not doing that. You right. can take your time. You don't have to get in right away. And And if you do get an offer on the table, sellers don't always know this, you can do what you want with it. Hmm. You, can, you can sign it back. You, you are in control. So with your real estate professional, you look into the details of that. So it's absolutely wonderful, although a lot more work now, And but what you pay your professional for right. to go through the details of everything. But you don't have to work with that offer. You right. can sign it back. Before we were in that, a different market where you'd have eight offers. And really, all that mattered was the price. So it's, yeah. it's a healthier, more balanced, sort of yeah, sane market now, for sure. Yeah.
0: I agree. Definitely. It's interesting to see where, uh, where things go in the fall time. Uh, what's your opinion on, uh, let's get out that crystal ball for a second here. Um, actually, you know what, before we get into the crystal ball, the other thing I wanted to ask you is, more specifically on how uh, you work sort of with your clients, what would you consider, I guess, your niche? I know we talked about this a little bit earlier about every, you know, some people say they specialize in, in, in everything. Um, But is there a niche or a type of client that you like working with more than others, like first-time home buyers or people that are looking to downsize or like what's, what's, what's kind of like the, the one that gets you excited?
1: Well, I love first time buyers. Mm. They are absolute sponges.
0: They that's true. Yeah.
1: Like they need everything and it's fun. They don't even know about utilities. Like Mm -hmm. their questions are wonderful. And. I had one of
0: my clients, sorry, not to cut you off, but I had a client first time home buyer and uh, they closed a few weeks ago and they ended up reaching out to me, asking me, um, uh how they connect their cable (laughs) it was for their cable bill so you know it's and but these are a lot of things as I guess coming out of a if you're yeah first time home buyer or renter uh you don't think about it and it's the opportunity to ask those questions right
1: I find it fun because they're sponges they don't Hmm. they don't know anything about construction Uh, you get to lead them the entire way. So I also, I also um, really value those relationships. When you help somebody like that and you give them information, they are overwhelmed. They are grateful and they continue to refer you and be advocates. Like um, my first time buyers here in Fergus, um, I get to watch their portfolio grow they are now buying a second property and i said you know the market if you can afford to keep that rent is atrocious rent it out and keep that and let's buy this other home it's a win-win for everybody and if you explain how to do these things and you'll you know how to get people invested in second properties and so on it's an absolute drive for both of us. And, and real estate is always so exciting. And, and usually, uh, well, I've never seen a market where people lose their shirt. Um, so hopefully we've qualified them well and and done everything we can so that moving forward in five years time, and that's important when I'm doing sort of a buyer consult, I need to know where we're going to be. And, and that's your advice on what product is worth is right for them in their situation, you know, all the different rates and so on. Like I'm, I've always been a variable rate lover personally. And part of that is because if something changes in my portfolio, I may need to change. Yeah. Yeah. So I need to switch that up. Um, But I also truly adore my, uh, elderly clients who need me to do a lot more for them. So, um, and, and I give what is, um, appropriate to each situation. So I might have to get somebody to do a dump load. I may have to go into a very dated home where the sellers have lived for 30 years, or it's their family home and to grab a couple of loads on my way by for the donate. Um, right. my service is very specific, um, but those are my two most fun, fulfilling, busy, um, situations, those that's buyer and seller. Right. But, yeah. uh, I just give it my best in every situation and it's always residential condos. I have, um, tried commercial. I prefer to partner up on that. It's, uh, it's, it's a lot of work and uh, should I personally think uh should be your focus you're a great my own own take on it i'm residential and i've done farms and things like that but commercial is a different ball of wax
0: yeah it's a whole different beast like i do um there's not a lot of brokers that specialize in commercial even do commercial so i kind of stick with the there's a multifamily um, residential sort of program by uh, CMHC. So, uh, if you're getting purpose-built commercial, but it's it's larger complexes, uh, that. I've been doing that for a very long time. So I'm very comfortable structuring those and kind of presenting those uh, to banks and, and working on that program. But yeah, if it's anything mixed use or or whatnot, it's I'm like you, where I I prefer to refer it out. Um, But it's interesting. You talk about the residential and the two scenarios you gave me, the two different types of um, uh, buyers and sellers that you like working with. To me, it, 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 that speaks a lot about sort of your, um, uh, your passion of uh, uh, connecting with people, right? You want, you, you love the story and you love being involved with their lives. And I think that's really important um, because it's more than just the transaction. It's, it comes down to making sure that they're happy with uh, um, that whatever decision that you help them make. So, so important. And I guess that, that people in this type of market really lean on people like you when it comes to what should we do? And, uh, uh, this is where you can pull out your crystal ball, maybe, and talk a little bit about what you think uh, might happen in the fall market. Like, where do you, where do you see things going?
1: I think we're headed for a leveling. I, I think we're seeing a little taste of it now and, um, and that's healthy. That mm-hmm. is healthy. We usually get another kick up of, um, inventory and sales come the fall when people, one of, you know, they've had the summer off, they've been slowing down as we watch interest right. rates go up, and still uh, inventory has been increasing. But as far as the fall goes, I would imagine we'll see uh, a more balanced pricing. You know, um, the, the crystal ball can be wrong. It really depends on who's qualified for what and who's willing to take the risk or whatever their mm-hmm. scenario is. Um And, uh, and just see where that flips to but I hope we have another sort of exciting turn and people truly spend what they're qualified to spend for wisely and they have the opportunity for time to assess everything and and make good solid choices and. Ultimately, it's it's we can only give people the information and uh, they do what they want with it. But uh, negotiating is a possibility now. You we, uh, For me personally, um, a couple months ago, when I got a sale of property condition accepted, that was a, that was my sign that like that is a changing market. I can't right. tell you when I last had a sale of property condition in there. And um, it closed like we we did it, but we had to extend that sale of property and had to work through those negotiations. And it's done. In fact, that just closed last week. But um, yeah, each situation is is different. And uh, I I hope the fall brings sort of a security to people. They know what rates are going to do. They're in then they're in a healthier balance now.
0: Right. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, the the initial sort of shock back in July, we had a 1% increase in that rate and everyone was, oh, my God, like, I think part of the the issue, too, is uh, the media sometimes doesn't help. You know, they're they're there to kind of help sell headlines. And sometimes those headlines are just so... um, it's kind of like data. It depends on how you slice it up. You can let it say whatever you want, right? So if they put their spin on it and people start really reading into it and they think that it's uh, it's a lot more doom and gloom. But I was, uh, I was mentioning uh, to someone a little while ago that if you look back at the last 40-year average on interest rates, interest rates are actually right where they were um, as an average. So the five-year fixed over the last 40 years has trended just above 5% we're at that today. So we're not too far off the the mark. It's just that we've been conditioned over the last 24 months, that money should be really cheap, you know, and uh, sub 1%. Everyone was arguing back then, like, can I get a, a, you know, negative interest rate mortgage, because that was happening overseas. And mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, that's that's not the reality. I think that little bubble um, it kind of burst, and we're back to reality now. And it, now that it's it's been a few months, and people are starting to digest this and adjusting their expectations and then their habits, I think you're right. It's it's going to lead to a little bit more of a balanced market. I do think it's a not definitely an opportunity for anyone that's sitting on the sideline to maybe jump in um, if that's the only thing that's kind of holding them back. Is everything's going to get worse or better? I'm looking at it from, you know, the inventory hasn't been addressed. So we still are short by, I think, one and a half million units by CMHC. They're supposed to, to, they're predicting we need that by 2030 in order to help the housing uh, affordability issues we have today. I don't know if you saw, but yesterday on, I was just reading, um, there was an article that came out. Uh, in the financial post, and I'll I'll post a link to it here. But there's a company called Blackstone, and they're preparing to uh, spend a record $50 billion to scoop up real estate bargains during the downturn. So this is happening a lot in the U.S. where we're seeing institutional buyers that are coming in. Last year saw 28% of transactions in the U.S., the United States, were by institutional buyers so they were buying up inventory and if you think about it it's very similar to the stock market where people buy when it's low and they sell when it's high real estate is no different as an asset vehicle for a lot of people that aren't just you know uh wanting to live in it and these institutions are moving in blackstone uh, is one of the largest um buyers of real estate and they actually opened up an office in may in toronto Blackstone Real Estate. What do you think they're going to do? They're going to buy up real estate. So I, I try to tell people, as you know, uh, if you kind of look at all the signs and they're pointing towards um, people lining things up to, to to make the next move, and uh, you have an opportunity here, might not be a bad idea to to jump in and uh, buy if the only thing holding you back is maybe wondering if there's if there's uh, lower rates around the corner or lower housing prices. So. Anyway, and it's hard to say. It's hard to say where things are going to go in the fall. You know, maybe we should come back and and do a revisit on this, Cheryl, when we've got some more uh, stats in and see how the dust settles there. And then we can talk a little bit about what's going on in 2023. But um, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. I really appreciate you coming by and taking the time, even though we had so many technical difficulties. Um, And yeah, it was really great talking with you. Yeah. And it, so if anyone is interested in, in finding out more information on Cheryl, I'm going to link to her website um, below in the, uh, the podcast here and then her email address and feel free to reach out. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys on the next podcast.
1: Always happy to have a conversation, Dan.
0: Sounds great. I'll talk to you right. soon then, Cheryl. You Thanks. Bet. Thank Bye. you.
1: Bye. Bye.